You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We're going to move into our time of hearing from God's Word. So would you one more time pray with me? Father, thank you that we could come, that we could receive life nourishment from your life-giving word. Would you speak to us today? Would your Holy Spirit be present with us? We give you praise and thanks, and we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, We are doing a sermon series called Table Talk. I've never done one of these. Sometimes churches in the beginning of the year, they... Go over mission, vision, values. Talk about who they are. Try to just get back all on the same page. And so we're talking about who we are, what we're up to. We have folks that are relatively new. And so I just want to give everyone kind of on the same page of what and who and how we're doing. If you have any questions or comments or answers to any questions that I pose, feel free to send them. Uh, I will pull that up right now. So hopefully I'll see it. We could turn this more into a dialogue rather than a monologue. If I don't get to it today, I'll try to do my best to get to it this week. But really, we're asking the question, what makes the table the table? Why are we here? What, uh, what is the reason that God has put this place into existence? What is the call that we feel as a community? Uh, we have three weeks, so this is week two. We're done. If you don't like the series, we're almost done. Halfway through. Last week, we talked about Big C Church. Where do we find ourselves in history? Where do we find ourselves throughout church history? How do we locate ourselves within that? Today we're talking about our MVVs, our mission, vision, values. And then next week I'm going to talk about the three tables that I would love for you to orient your life around. And that's it. We're done. So last week we talked about this. We talked about how we belong to the broader Christian community. And and for that we talked about truth, how we want to be a body of truth here at the table. We want to be people that are grounded in God's word. We want to talk about the truth of Jesus. We talked about a tribe that we're a part of, another bigger tribe called Wesleyanism. There's all kinds of groups within that. Nazarene, Wesleyan, Salvation Army, Pentecostalism, all spawns from this tribe. And that tribe uh, emphasizes love. And so we want to be people of truth. And we want to be people of love. And lastly, we belong to another tribe called Free Methodism that came about during slavery times. They wanted slaves to be free. They wanted seats to be free. They wanted women to be free. And so this one for us is summed up in service. We want to be a community that is grounded in truth, that, that is full of love, and that does active service to one another and to the community. Today, let's talk about some mission, vision, values. I'm going to flip it. Mission, values, vision, because that makes it head, heart, hands, right? Something to know, something to feel, experience, something that we want to do. Mission, vision, values. And here's really the questions that come out of that. Why do you have those? What do those do in an organization? How do they help us? Uh, The mission helps us identify why we exist. What is our purpose? What is our call? The, the values help us make decisions, and they are core characteristics about who we are. So how, who are we, and how does that inform the decisions that we make? Uh, really, you want to get down to some brass tacks. The values are the ways that we stop arguments from getting out of hand. It's like we have different opinions about how we should do something. We go to the values. The values help us make decisions about uh, the ways to move forward. And then lastly, our vision. 
Vision is if you do your mission in your values, this is the result that you hope to see. This is the, 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 the accomplished mission that you hope to have. And so we have those, and I just thought I would share those. As always, I'm trying to do head, heart, hands, something for us to know, feel, do. Sometimes you can think of it as up, in, out, whatever you want to do. I'm doing a triangle all the time. Head, heart, hands, up, in, out. Uh, we are talking about that. Three points. And I always ask the question, what does God want us to know? If you like to take notes, there should be a sheet in front of you. It has everything I'm going to say on it, minus the story. So if you like something bigger, mission is up front, values down here, nope, values back here, vision up here. Uh, there should be one or two per row if you'd like, if you like bigger sheets. Here's our mission. Simple, direct, right from Scripture. We want to be a community that follows Jesus to do what he did, which is love God, love one another, and serve those in need. Which goes back to the thing we talked about last week with Christianity, Wesleyanism, and free Methodism, right? We want to be people of truth. We want to be people of love. We want to be people of service. This is our mission all around everything. We want to love God, love one another well, and serve those in need. It comes from this scripture for us the greatest commandment out of Jesus's mouth, Matthew 22, 35 through 40. One of them, a legal expert, tested Jesus, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Which one's the best? It's a trick. He's supposed to say all of them. They're wonderful. God gave all of them. They're lovely. And Jesus takes this two commandments from two different places and he smashes them together. And it's stuff that you would have known before preschool. So childlike, the way that he does this, but so confounding to the legal experts. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being or soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Homoousios. It's like we get the word homogeneous. We get the word homogenous, right? It's like it. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the rest of the law, all of the Old Testament, all the first two-thirds of your Bible is summed up in that. Loving God with your whole self and loving your neighbor as yourself. How can that not be our mission, right? If this is the greatest commandment, if this is the thing that Jesus wants all of us to do, how can that not be our mission statement? But that's what it is, to love God, to love one another, and to serve those in need. There's a scholar, Catholic scholar, his name's Timothy J. Johnson, and I love this quote. It's helpful for me. He says, we become what we love, and what we love shapes what we become. This is why we talk about love so much. This is why we emphasize love so much is because love is a thing that draws us. It's the thing that we most want to be like. It's the thing that's most shaping in our life. So love has to be our mission statement because we want to be like Jesus, right? We want to be like Jesus. That's the goal of our faith. So Love, that's our mission statement. We love God first and foremost. We become what we love. We see this all the time in everyday life. The things you love shape you, right? Like this. This guy's literally a Super Bowl ring. I put this picture in. I put this picture in the first half of that game. We were losing. I was like, please don't lose. I don't want to change the picture. Go 49ers. Yeah. 41 to 17, Seahawks. 
So great game yesterday. But we become what we love. Look. Or I know a guy who was really into surfing. He loved surfing. Everything about his life revolved around surfing. His car, everything was covered in sand. It was built to hold surfboard. He began talking like a surfer, right? Like read surfing magazines. Every, his money went there. His time went there. His, his personality went there. He looked like, and then the, like, just the, the last form of becoming what you love is just like people who look like their pets, right? Just like, we become what we love. St. Augustine said something very similar in, in Latin, amor meus, I'm not going to read the whole thing, pondus meum, it translates, my love, my weight, wherever I go, I'm carried there by love. Some people even tra- translate the word weight there as, as gravity, weight and gravity are related. And he's just talking about the way that, that love shapes us, the way that love draws us. The way that God's love draws us. This is our mission statement. We want the love of God and our love for God to be primary in everything that we do. So that's it. That's who we are or hope to be. A community that does what Jesus did. Love God. Love one another. Serve those in need. What does God want us to feel or experience? These are our values that I want you to feel. I don't have anything catchy to say. I'm just going to list our values. They're all right there on that sheet I handed out. Share if you have to. Six values that are core to who we are, what we're doing, and help us make decisions. This is what I want us to feel. First three, family on mission together. There's a lot of ways that we can talk about ourselves, but we are not a business. We are not just a nonprofit. Right? We are not a soup kitchen, as lovely as those are and as important as those are. I want us to think about ourselves as a family on mission. That's how I want us to operate in this world. We are family on mission together. And so underneath each one of, each one of those values, I got questions that I ask myself to make sure we're staying on track. How do we continue to foster this family? What things can we do to bring, together, bring us together in a familial way? And how do we gauge our neighborhood as family? There's so many needs out there. And so I really want us to think about ourselves as next-door neighbors to, to the community. That's how I want us to engage. We can spend a lot of time and become a, a well-oiled system machine, handing out food, handing out stuff, handing out resources. That's not who I think God has called us to be. We are a family that has moved in, but families share. We borrow sugar. We lend. We help. We, we still want to be people of service, but we do it from one family to another. I want us to be incarnationally community-based, and that's a lot of words to mean something like, are we going to the people like Jesus came to us? Are we intentionally stepping outside of our comfort zone so that other people can experience the love of God? Because there's a lot of ways in which sometimes churches get isolated, right? And they stay in their own bubbles. And that value is about, are we going out like Jesus came down to us? Uh, Multiplying, oh, nope, embodying the kingdom of God. And that's a big way of saying, when people look at us, does it look like the thing that Jesus taught about? Do they see Jesus here? There's a lot of ways to be religious. There's a lot of... Uh, expressions of religiosity in the world. I want 
people to see us and see Jesus? Do we embody the thing, the number one thing that Jesus came to teach us about, this kingdom of God? And are we, are we a small microcosm of what God's going to do to the whole world ultimately and eventually? Like, are we practicing things like love and forgiveness and generosity? Do when people see us, do they get that? Last three. Everyone is welcome at the table. That's a value. Everyone is welcome. Who's everyone? Everyone. Everybody. This helps when we make decisions. We're sitting around and we're like, well, what about those people? Yeah, them too. Even you, you get to come. Lucky you. <laughs> if you get to come, everyone. We want to try to be a place where everyone feels Whatever class distinction, uh, gender and sex, right? Women, we want women and men to feel comfortable here. We want left and right to feel comfortable here. We even want Raiders fans to feel comfortable here. Like we just, everyone, everyone to be welcome at the table. That even includes communion, which I know I get a lot of questions, right? But we believe every, Jesus is meeting here. We have an open table. You do not have to be a member of this church to participate we believe that you can meet Jesus for the first time in the bread and the cup. Everyone is welcome to the table, to the table. We want to empower everyone to lead. We believe firmly that God has given each and every one of you a gift, a supernatural gift. And it is to our disservice. We are, we are not honoring God and honoring you by doing everything ourselves. And so we're going to do our best to try to empower you to lead. But we understand you have lives, you have spheres of influence, you have jobs. I'm not trying to get you to stop those things or quit those things. I want to help you be Jesus in those places and in those spaces. And so that's one of our values is it's not about me. It's not about sage on the stage. We're not trying to, you know, create a, a different set of classes where there's professional Christians and not professional. No, 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 no. We are empowering everyone to have ownership. Everyone gets to lead. And I'll let you know, in, in our traditions, I mentioned earlier, like free Methodism and, and Wesleyanism, in our bylaws and in our books, we have equal power distributed between pastors and non-pastors because we think sometimes pastors get it wrong. Sometimes we want to hear from you. So this is a value. Everyone, everyone comes, everyone. We have a board the board is my boss, y'all. I'm not the boss of them. They're my boss. They could fire me if they want, even though I started this whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'd be pretty sad about it, but they have the power, right? This, so we are, we are decentralizing power for all kinds of good reasons, because we think it's healthy, because we think it's biblical, because we think it's theological, but also because we think Jesus is working in your life to uh, help you be christ in your spaces and places. And lastly, we want to be multiplying and discipling uh, because we think Jesus calls us to make disciples. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all the world. That's biblical. But what that means practically is our goal isn't to get as big as possible. If God decides to bless us and we have influence and people see Jesus here and want to be a part of us, our goal isn't to just get as big as possible. We want to have new expressions of Jesus and the table in all kinds of neighborhoods. And so 
we're not trying to get to 500 or 800 or 1,000 people. I'm not trying to build the biggest building in Orville. That is not part of our value. Our value, if we're a family, family gets... So just these are the ways that these values shape and direct us. But also, I want you to consider yourself a disciple. I want you to learn the way of Jesus, and I want to help you do that, right? We're not trying to make converts. We're not trying to make consumers of a good product. I want you to be a follower of Jesus. And if there's any way I can help you do that, that's one of the values we have. So those are the six. Here's the one scripture I can think to sum up all of that, right? This is the value. These are the ways in which we, we operate. These are the core characteristics about who we are. Jesus tells us, treat people in a way that you want to be treated. This is what I see from scripture, these values. And this is how I want to treat the neighborhood. And this is how I want to treat you. And this is how I want you to treat me. These are our values. Values become very important as, as a way to root our identity and help us make decisions about the future, about things going on, about problems that come up, because every community has problems. Every community has problems. Every family has problems. Every church has problems. We just hope to have some values in place that we can solve those in a healthy way, in a healthy way where uh, people feel like Jesus is in the midst of it. But values are very important. I got a story about it. I teach it every year in my sociology class. Uh, this is Ann E. Becker. She's a Harvard brilliant multi-degree thing. She does psychology. She does health. She does medicine. And what had happened was she was going to Fiji a lot as a teenager, doing a lot of work in Fiji. In like 1985, 1985, Electricity became really widespread in Fiji. And then in 1995, TV was coming. Big TV, widespread TV. And she had the, the, the mind awareness to say, hey, let's, let's study the effects of TV on a population. From a population that had no TV to a population that everyone was getting ready to have TV. So she says, before TV came, she says, family and social life revolved around food. These are my people. <laughs> Lovely. How come that's not one of our values? Just food. It just says food. It's all about food all the time, she said. Eaters unbutton, they unzip, they just lie down where they are. That's a good meal in Fiji if you can't even move afterwards. The Fijians had a value of appreciating large, robust bodies. Oh, Yes. Bigger is better and more beautiful. It's a value of theirs. 1995. Sexy nurses and doctors start showing up. ER for some reason, like the least sexy place you could be. They're like, look at, look at all these relationships that are forming in the ER. Friends. This magazine came out April of 1995. Suddenly Susan, I didn't remember it, but it was like number three on the charts in 1996. And everybody has TV now. And it's reshaping the values of their society almost instantly. Gets pretty heavy here, but Dr. Becker tells us of her research. In 1995, without television, girls of Fiji appeared to be free of the eating disorders common in the West. But by 1998, three years later, after just a few years of sexy soap operas and seductive commercials, 11% of girls had reported that they had at least had purged to lose weight. By 2007, so 12 years, uh, is that right? 12? Yep, 
45% of girls were reporting that they had thrown up to lose weight. Among girls interviewed, nearly 25% reported that they had thoughts of suicide in the last year. Almost immediately, TV shaped their entire values from, from robust, big bodies to now people are doing whatever they can to lose weight as fast as they can, often in harmful ways. Within just a decade, right? a decade of TV reshaped a generation of values away from a thousand years of family eating and robustness. I love the word robust. Listen, robust is a, it's the best euphemism I think I could come up with. Those values got shaped, it changed their society for the worst so fast because these teens were just consuming media and they were losing the values of their ancestors and they were taking on the values that, that were brand new coming from this screen, this box. I could just do a whole sermon on this about the dangers of TV because you all think, yeah, I know TV's bad for society, but I'm strong enough. I'm strong enough. No, you're not. You're not. None of us are. None of, anyways, the thing here, values are important. And they can get shaped and reshaped and shifted so quickly based on the things that we let influence us. But I just want us to hold tightly to these six that remind us who we are and help us make decisions about the way we think Jesus wants us to be a community in this space and place. These values are wildly important to us. Lastly, what does God want us to do? What is us to do? Head, mission, heart, values, hands uh, is our vision. This is the first half of our vision. That we'd be a family moving into the neighborhood to be good and godly neighbors. If Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment is to love your neighbors as yourself and to love God with your whole self, then I think that's the best way that we can try to change the world, at least our world. And so I want us to be seen as good and godly neighbors. I think that's how we influence our neighborhood. I think that's how we change the neighborhood is by being good and godly neighbors. Our real vision, if we do that, is this, to see transformational, see the transformational inbreaking of God's kingdom in Thermalito, Norville, where people are growing in Jesus. For us, that means being disciple. Where we're breaking chains of generational poverty, where families are being reconciled, and children have a hopeful future. That's the vision we have for this place. That if we do our thing, with our values, that we'll see God's kingdom break in and change people's life in a tangible way. One time I had a coach. I don't know if you know, but metrics, how you measure church is really hard. My boss wants to talk about, this is not, it's kind of a crass way. So nickels and noses, right? Or, or you can say butts, bucks, and bricks, right? How many people are showing up? How much money do you got? How many buildings are you building? And I hate all of those. And everybody does. Everybody hates all of those. One time I had a coach. He said, here's my new metric. Are there less 911 calls? <laughs> Isn't that great? Are there less 911 calls because your church is in that neighborhood? And so this is my metric. Like, this is what I want us to, like, are there more families reconciled? Do more kids have a hopeful future? Are more families breaking generational chains of poverty? Are people growing to become followers of Jesus? This is my metric. This is what I want to see. I want us to be hope dealers, right? I want us, instead of whatever my family was doing, you know what I mean? The other stuff they were doing. Yeah, there you go. She got it. 
Thank you. We're just changing it, changing the letter, but still out on the streets, right? And this is the passage that I think of when I think of this. It comes from First Peter, one of my favorite books. Um, maybe my third favorite, if you really want to know the order. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, and you have become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. That's why you get to be a people of God, so you can help people become a people of God. He goes on, dear friends, since you are immigrants and strangers in this world, right? It's not our home. The kingdom of God is our home, but we still live here. Live honorably, honorably among the unbelievers today. They defame you as if you were doing evil. But in the day when God visits to judge, they will glorify God because they have observed your honorable deeds. This is what we want. We want to be a people of God called out of darkness into his light and then help other people speak of that wonderful calling. And we want to live in such a way that when they ultimately see Jesus, they go, oh, I remember people that look like that. There's the table church. They were lovely. Jesus seems lovely. I want to be a follower of Jesus. This is Peter's way of transforming his neighborhood. That if we can speak of the wonderful things that God has done and we can live honorably, we can live well, we can live a Jesus life, that people are going to uh, be cool, become followers of Jesus because of the way that we live. That's what I want us to do. Last story. This guy's name is Terry Lane. He very successful cabinet maker. So successful, they ended up having 40 employees and he built this giant warehouse so that he can build cabinets in Jacksonville, Florida. He builds this giant factory right here. Google Maps, I found it. This is for real. Builds this giant factory. First week of operation, he gets called down there every night by the police. Stuff's getting broken into, stuff's getting stolen, windows are getting shot out. By the end of the first week, he said he had 40 bullet holes in his building. The cop finally said, why did you build your shop next to this apartment complex? It's called Cleveland Arms Apartment, but the cops called it The Rock because it was such a hard place to live. All kinds of nefarious folks doing nefarious things in there. And he said, I had no idea. I just was buying a piece of property. And so he said the fifth or sixth night he was there, he just felt himself getting angrier and angrier. And then he said almost audibly, it felt like God talked to him. This is that apartment complex. Almost audibly, he says, from out of nowhere came a, a thought so clear it was almost audible. If you love those who despitefully use you, I'll take care of it. Stunned and shaken by God's admonition, I wondered how I'd obey this gentle command. Then I sensed him say, forget about all the shooting and all the garbage and just look at the children. And so that's what he did. He said, I didn't know what to do. So the first thing I did was I bought a bunch of basketballs and I wrote, Jesus loves you. And I threw him over the fence. And he was like, <laughs> he said, that did nothing. <laughs> Except I never got my basketballs back. So they must have enjoyed them, he said. He said, but then the next night he saw a group of kids playing around his factory. And when they saw him, they took off running. And he said, wait, 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 wait. Do you guys want a soda? He brought them in, gave them sodas. They hung out a little bit. He thought that was the end of it. The next night, 16, 17 kids show up. They said, where's the big guy with the beard that has all the sodas? 
Soda really brings people together. You know what I mean? The kids came in, sat down. He was doing his cabinet drafting. They were, he got some paper for them. They were doing some coloring and drawing. He said, ultimately, 35 kids adopted him. That's the way he phrased it. 35 kids adopted him in his factory. And they would come every day. He was doing hot dogs and Rice Krispies. And he said he just realized that they just loved some stability and they just loved having adults in their life. They cared. And so he, for 10 years, he mentored and discipled these kids. And then he helped them launch them into the world. God spoke to him again and said, this is what you're supposed to do. So he says, I, I sold my factory and I got an apartment. I moved in. I went from making six figures to, he said, I made $12,000 a year. And Jesus showed up and just blessed the snot out of me. And he's living in the apartments. This is one of the early pictures of them doing Sunday school on the basketball court. And I just can't imagine how cheesy these kids think this is. They must think this is so cringy and lame except he knows them and he lives there, right? The, the, the difference between cringy and lame and less cringy and lame is that relationship and an ice cold soda. Those are the two differences. So he moves into the apartment complex with his wife and they start a ministry called Metro Kids Connection and it's been going strong, so strong in fact that they had about 75 kids come through their apartment every day, and he said, I, this is, apartment's not big enough. So, sold his factory. He still lives in the apartment as far as I read, and he bought a building down here, and he's got a big 4,800 square foot place where he's doing the work of trying to help folks in his neighborhood. I was actually, I read an article, I was, I was a little worried when he's like, I got a new building. And I was like, no, you're supposed to be in the apartment complex. But it's like, then I looked at the address and it's right here. And I was like, okay, he's still good. He's still good. <laughs> I gave it to him. And I tell that story because I think, I think this is what our call is. The difference the, the way that he gets to make a difference and, and the mode in which he's making a difference is that he moved into the neighborhood to be a good and godly neighbor. You could pour all kinds of money and resources into communities sometimes, and it doesn't help, right? You can preach and exhort and condemn and shame, and it doesn't help. I think being good and godly neighbors is the best way to see transformation. And I just think if every church did that, the whole world would change, right? If they just love their neighborhood well, We'd see a whole world transformation. Questions, comments? I don't see any. My summary then, for us, our mission statement is to love God with our whole self, love our neighbor, love one another, serve our city. We have six values that keep our identity rooted and our actions on track. And we got a vision that as God's family, we will see the families around us redeemed, restored, and thriving. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, that we can rehash some of this identity stuff about who we are. Whether it's here at the table or anywhere else or even in our own neighborhoods, I do pray that you would help us to be people who are good and godly neighbors. That we would get out of our comfort zone and be intentional about loving the place where we live, wherever it is. Whatever neighborhood we find ourselves in in this place. But would you help us as a group of people here now to be your hands and feet 
to be a people who are living in the light that have come from the darkness, to be an expression of love? Would we ultimately just look like you, reflect you, reflect your image, reflect your love and goodness in a way that other people find compelling and in a way that helps us to continue to be healed and whole and holy? And we will give you praise and thanks as you help us by your Holy Spirit do just that. Table Church, will you help me end this prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer? Saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.